0: Welcome to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast.
1: I'm Dave Mercer.
0: I'm James Judd, most of the time. And we're here to learn how to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. And today we are coming at you from a nice little rig. We're sitting in my mother-in-law's car. We have lav mic, which is the kind of mic you put up on your lapel. Uh, Hooked up on a redneck rig plastic sack in between us. We're going to start a new show called Disciple Makers in a Car Getting Coffee.
1: (sighs) A little redneck, but it'll work. Yep. We have crackers too, so if you hear the package wrapping, that's what that is. We're eating a cracker. That's what you'll know. It works pretty good for Jerry Seinfeld. We'll
0: see if it works for us. Yes. Only we're not going to drive because, you know, I've got to think and maybe occasionally yeah. look at my my screen. One thing I will say about a podcast, though, is we are definitely figuring out that you always need another microphone or a different microphone or a better microphone or trying to figure out how to set up your microphones. These microphones, they're more intense. Yes, that us lay people know about.
1: Yeah, I I still don't completely know what a cardioid condenser is, but uh-huh. maybe maybe someday. I think it's something that makes your heart smaller.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, today on our podcast, in the first portion, we're going to talk about being a disciple.
1: So to start off, we're going to talk about being a disciple because what's the point of making disciples if you're not? A good disciple. A good disciple. Yeah.
0: And ultimately, we are trying to make disciples of Jesus, uh, but as I think it was David and Paul Watson wrote in their book, they call it, you, you got to be a disciple worth multiplying. And again, we're disciples of Jesus, but if, and, and we all have sin, we all have all these packages, so we're not saying, not that. But we are saying, you know, you need to be out actively living out your faith yourself if you're going to go try to. Teach somebody else how to do that, or as Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." So this is the "as I follow Christ" portion. Yes, yes. And the topic we wanted to pick today was just this idea of of being all in. Like, are you all in with Jesus, or you know, or do you draw a line in the sand and you say, like, oh, "I'll go all the way to here, Lord," but but after this, like, this is kind of the line. I'll, I'll follow you to here but I won't go any farther, and uh, some struggles maybe in my own life. I feel like I'm pretty all in with me, but sometimes with my kids, especially when we lived overseas, you know, it's like, I'm all in, but God, it's hard to get health care for my kids, or or, or I'm all in, but, you know, my kids hardly have any friends because there's almost no children, other expat children in our city. You know, and it it is still a continual struggle, are these things, sometimes I say like, well, I'm willing to make sacrifices myself for God, but am I willing for someone else to sacrifice for God? Yeah. And sometimes that's a little more difficult.
1: And I can relate with that too. I, I'm not trying to say that I'm a, a martyr grade disciple that I've arrived, but yeah, there's, I worry sometimes about like, if I try and follow Jesus in this way, how will, how will it affect my wife? Uh, what if she's not willing to follow me in this way? Or, you know, what if it, What if it stresses my kids out or what if it makes, what if it makes my family uncomfortable when I want to have international students over for Thanksgiving and Christmas? And now it's not that perfect plant family place setting. It's like, Oh, well, here's, here's my Japanese and Russian uh, student that's going to, going to eat with us. And so it's, I don't want to inconvenience them. We'll, we'll try that next year. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: And I think there's a balance there, too, of like, you know, you do have to take care of your family. I think God does say that. But I think think in a lot of ways, we just, we we wouldn't say we draw a line, but practically we do. Yes. I'll follow you, Lord, but I still want a retirement.
1: Hudson Taylor, now that we've at least put some of our laundry out there and we're we're trying to be real, that reminds me of the story of the, the guy who pushed, he was the missionary in the 1860s to China. And... He went to extensive reaches to sacrifice his own comfort for the gospel but what really our call gave him a hard time was when he came back to England and who he knew God was calling him to lead other people over there and he just couldn't bear the idea that he was leading these young people to their to their death to sickness to cold to hunger to misery and it it was a sticking point For him, too. Like, he had given so much of himself, but the idea that he could lead other people into that. And you know the story, James.
0: Yeah, I do. Eventually, he did reach that point where he said, okay, yeah, like, okay, God, I'll trust you for this. But it is hard because if you have sacrificed to follow Jesus, then you have suffered. And sometimes it's physically, spiritually, emotionally difficult sometimes to ask other people, why don't you come and suffer the way we have suffered? Come and suffer the way Hudson Taylor suffered. That's not easy. And it reminds me—I believe it was in the book *The Insanity of Obedience* by Nick Ripkin—he was talking about realizing that, like, if I share my faith with this guy and he believes, he may very well die. And he's saying you have to come to this point of saying, like, is Jesus worth it? Another example: if I lead this man to the Lord. And he becomes a believer. His own family may try to kill him. He'll be completely ostracized from his his jail. Like, it will cost him everything in life. I mean, everything. His family, where he's from, any money he has. Like, there'll be nothing that he doesn't sacrifice. Is Jesus worth it? Like, if you put him on a scale, is Jesus worth it? And intellectually, we say, of course he is. Yeah. But you've never had to lose everything. I haven't ever had to lose
1: yeah, I haven't yet. Everything.
0: And I'm thankful for that. And I, I do believe that it's worth it, but it, it's not, it's not something you just tritely say like, Oh yeah, Jesus, it's not a cliche. And that's what I feel like coming back into America, back into the American church. But I feel like so many times it's not a hundred percent, but I just feel like it's like cliche after cliche after cliche. And, and there's like, I don't know how to describe it sometimes. Maybe it would be like, if you're in football, it's like when you're on that line of scrimmage, you're fixing to hike the, hike the ball, state championship game, you're down by four points, and there's 10 seconds left on the clock, and you've got to make 30 yards. You know, like you have this, this intensity in your gut, and you're not thinking about anything else, you're, you know, you're focused there, or, you know, basketball, you're like, it's your, One second on the clock, they're going to inbound it to you. You've got to make the three-pointer, you know, like all of that pressure in your gut. Or if you think about it from like a military example, like you're going into combat, the firefight is coming, you know, there's like an intensity and a focus. And sometimes I feel like it's like, where is that in, in the American church? Like, do we have that kind of intensity and focus of like, like I'm all in, like from the from from everything from within me praise the Lord from everything within me I'm going to go and I'm going to follow Jesus and and I'm all in like everything my focus is on him (laughs) (laughs) and I think we would all say well I'm not that way all the time for sure and I don't even know if you could live that way all the time but is that that idea of like am I all in for God like would I really and it's you know I feel like there's a there's been some times in my life where I could honestly say, like, yes, like, I'm all in. But then you you go a little bit in that, <laughs> and you've got to come back and ask that same question. Like, okay, now we, we just raised a level of difficulty. Am I still all in? Yeah. And it's a continual sacrifice. Somebody said the other day, wish I could think who it was, and I would quote them. But they were saying, you know, this idea that you write a blank check to the Lord... I think it was a guy named Michael Kelly. So you write a blank check to the Lord. He said, I don't know about you guys, but what I found that in my life, God cashes that check, but he cashes it a little bit at a time. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I've heard people say, when we we're born again in Christ, when he makes us a new creature, we get all of him. But it's as we move along and we're sanctified in the Christian life, he's getting more of us. Uh-huh. So, the think you think of John 6... Years ago, we were at a college um, Christmas time, Christmas break uh, retreat, and there was this great speaker, and I, I can't remember his name, uh, but he was a, like a chaplain or a college leader out at uh, Texas Tech, and he told this story from John 6, uh, where Jesus had just fed the multitudes, he got in a boat, went across the lake, the multitudes hot-footed it around the lake. And when they saw him, you're going to get this in uh, Oklahoma, Texas, paraphrase. It was, Jesus, fancy meeting you here at the restaurant. (laughs) Hey, Jesus, it was fish and chips yesterday. Let's see what you can do with steak and potatoes tonight. Jesus, what's for dinner? And Jesus said, you don't love me. You love my stuff. If you want me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the women said, oh, and the men said, Jesus, I don't think you ought to be talking that way in front of the ladies. Uh-huh. And it said many of his disciples followed him no more. So people followed him until up to a certain point. Now, those, those stories, they have a certain level of discomfort for me because I, I tend to imagine myself in the role of the one who turned away. And I you know, don't want to be that, probably sometimes am that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's definitely times where we are that. And I like to think that some of those that turned away, you know, you come back full circle after the resurrection, yeah. day of Pentecost, all of a sudden the gospel like explodes. And I really think, well, I think there's definitely some people that had rejected him that now accepted him. I think about when you see him heal the uh, demoniac from the, the guy that had the legion of demons in him. And the guy says, hey, let me follow you. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go tell how much I've done for you. And the next time Jesus comes back to this area, the people aren't saying, hey, please leave. The people are like looking for him. Yeah. You know, and there was this this process. And so in one sense, you know, you, you got to have some grace and say like, yeah, you know, there's times I'm like, Jesus, what can you do for me today? But then as we grow in Christ, God calls us to surrender. What will I surrender? Where will I draw the line? And ultimately, we want to say, God, like you can have it all. And I feel like you always have to have a caveat and say, I'm not saying that you like leave your family. You know, like you have to have a, you have to take the whole counsel of Scripture, if you will, right? Because there is a point in time, especially with men, where we can like push so hard in our presumed ministry of the Lord or our presumed whatever that we've like completely neglected neglected our children, neglected Absolutely. our life. And so, I don't think God's calling us for that. But he is calling us to lay down our lives for our wife. And he is calling us to say, all right, God, I'm, I'm all in. And truthfully, he's also calling our wives to say that. I am all in. And hopefully in those things that, that sometimes if we, if we make those choices and there is a cost, you know, we hope and pray that our children still know we love them. And that as they grow up, they recognize dad believes in Jesus enough that he would do this. You know, it's like this isn't this isn't a cliche faith. This isn't a faith when it's helpful to me. This is a faith that whatever God gives me is good, and that it is worth my entire life. And that's sometimes hard hard to say. And sometimes even with my own kids, I think about like like dying for the Lord. And what I think about is that old country song, "Lord, don't let." That cold
1: wind blow till I'm too old to die young. Right? Let me watch
0: my children go and see what they become. And sometimes I feel like they're like, God, like, you know, I'll you anywhere, but I really feel like I need to be taking care of my kids. You know, they're not ready for to, for a life without dad. Yeah. You know, and that's true. They aren't. But also in in that thought is also this recognition. When I think about it and I really th- really think about it, in that thought is a recognition that I'm saying like, Actually, God, I'm better for my children than you are. I'm a better father for my girls than you would be. And if I was out of the picture, I don't know how you would make it. Yeah. Right? And I think think there's this, sometimes there's, there's this fear, you know, of being all in or of sacrificing everything. And that's probably why Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he has to pick up his cross daily and follow me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, the denomination I grew up in, we have these things called rededications, and it it really wasn't, it's not a word I think you'll find in the Bible, but I think it was that way, I think it was the way people in our denomination were expressing, hey, I haven't been taking up my cross daily, and I need to pick it back up. And I think it's funny, now talking about it and saying this out loud you know, we'd kind of chuckle like, oh, there's old Charlie. He's getting rededicated again. Every time you turn around, he's down there at the altar. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I need to rededicate. Well, of course you do, Charlie. We kind yeah. of need to every day. And yeah. and yeah. not to downplay that, it's a good thing, but we're just, yeah, every day. It's it's a new day with new mercies, and a, the cross is, needs to be taken up again. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So now you guys all go out and just be fully surrendered to Jesus.
1: And then no tell problem. us how to do it. And
0: then tell us how to do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I will leave you that challenge. It is a big one, but I spend some time and really look and say, you know, am I really saying, God, I'll, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll give up everything for you. There's no line I'm going to draw in the sand. Are you really saying that or are you just giving out lip service? One of the stories in the Bible that I like to meditate on for this one, I'd encourage you guys to look, at, look up Matthew 19 the first story in that chapter. Meditate on that a little bit.
1: Can I throw out an invitation too, James? Yeah. Uh, So there is a singer who is really, I've really enjoyed her lately. Her name is Audrey Asad, and she has a song called I Shall Not Want. Now you hear that and you think, oh, it's 23rd Psalm. How poetic. I'll put it on a plaque in my kitchen or my grandma's kitchen. But the, it's the verses of her song. It's like, you know, Lord, deliver me from a fear of discomfort. Lord, deliver me from a fear of serving others. So she's crying out for deliverance from all these, her own vices, uh-huh. her own inner idols. So yeah, check that out. I shall not want by Audrey Assad. It's, it's comforting and it's challenging. Hey, can you find that on iTunes, Amazon? Yeah. I, I usually get it on, um, YouTube. Okay. So, yeah. There you go.
0: Well, let's move into our next section though, of making a disciple. We talk about we want to make disciples the way Jesus did. And there's a verse, a passage in the Bible that I specifically like. One of those things, again, my story is I grew up, i must say, very faithful to the Lord, but I just did not understand making disciples. Didn't get it. And the verse that really stuck out to me is in Luke chapter 6, and it's, you look at 12 and 13, and it says, In these days he, and this is Jesus, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And then verse 13, And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. And then it goes on to name his apostles. And what I like about it, what it, it realized to me as I was being to learn about disciple making, was that Jesus Jesus very intentionally chose a small group of people, small group of men in this case. You know, it says he called his disciples. So it's like this big group of people. We don't know how many it was. He was a pretty popular figure as he started ministry, started healing people. And you can only imagine if all of a sudden we're sitting in Oklahoma City right now, if all of a sudden we heard that Jesus was here in the flesh, on Northwest Expressway and Council, you would hear this car start and tires squealing, and I would be heading down there, and we would probably grab anyone else calling anyone else we knew on the way, like, "Hey, Jesus is healing," you know. Get in your car, and I've, you know, I've got some health issues I'd love for Jesus to take care of. You have, we we could both get our backs healed. If yes, you know, like Jesus was this. In many ways, it's very attractive speaker, attractive teacher, attractive miracle worker, like your needs are being met. Like you said earlier, you know, Jesus had the credit card and he was swiping it, quote, unquote, taking care of your medical bills. And so he calls this group of of disciples. And from within that group, he chooses 12. And if Jesus chose 12 people, you know, who am I to think I could disciple more than that? Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: The idea of trying to mentor do life with 12 men frightens me beyond words. So, right. I mean, I right now would feel, I don't want to say big, I would feel like it was a big thing. There let I me mean, I like that better. If even I there was one man in my life right now that I was, you know, hey, we're doing life together. I'm not just isn't an ego thing. Like I'm imparting myself to you. I'm sacrificing to help you become better.
0: Yeah, and I know. I mean, when I grew up, I was thinking about it. You know, I've called the ministry in some sense as a kid. Not sure what it is. And so you picture like, well, maybe I'll be a, a pastor, maybe I'm a preacher. And I'm thinking about hundreds, or at least a hundred. At least I get a hundred in church. But realizing when I see that, like, wait a minute, that's not what Jesus did. like he had crowds, he attracted crowds. We know he spoke to over five thousand people, you know when he fed them later. That was just the meant we know that happened, but that's not where he not where he spent his time. He didn't take that whole crowd and say, "Come, follow me he He picked those twelve. these are the ones I want, and when we look at this, you know like the first thing he did is he started with prayer, all night prayer on a mountain, maybe we'll have to find a mountain.
1: Good down. are in Oklahoma, it's going <laughs> to be hard.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll take a hill. But you, but he went out and prayed, and his prayer, you know, as he's meeting with the Father. And I really think, if you say, okay, I want to actively begin discipling someone, you know, the first place you have to start is prayer. And you and I, I think, are both in the same spot at this moment. Like neither one of us is actually discipling somebody right now. Right? No,
1: not I'm not. No. Now,
0: I was discipling some people back in Asia. Now I'm back in America. Some of the people that I've discipled in the past in America, I'm no longer in that relationship with them. We're more like a a Barnabas to each other, like we're in a set of encouragement. So we are both in a praying stage. God, who would you like me to disciple?
1: Which is a great place. There are a lot of places in life that it's good to be. It's just not good to be there forever. So, yeah, it's... I have to admit, James, I feel, one, we're doing a podcast on this, and I'm afraid that as people are hearing us speak, they're going to say, okay, let's search for another podcast. I can't learn anything here. And, and if you do, that's fine. But I think, one, just getting this tension off of, no, Jesus isn't looking at me with this frown, saying, where's your your eight or 12 guys? But the challenge, the, the call is still here today, like, go and make disciples, so are we going to start? Are we going to start no. praying today? Are we going to start praying and then actively looking for that answered prayer today?
0: Yeah, praying with faith. And actually, when I say we're not discipling anyone, we actually both lied. We both have our children.
1: Oh, yeah. We're kind of, <laughs> you have, we better be discipling someone. We better someone. be discipling
0: someone, yeah. And, and I think we're both actively doing that. And if I was going to say there was any model of disciple-making, I understood it would be with my children because essentially my parents discipled me over 18 years. And so I'm discipling three little girls. You're discipling one little girl and,
1: and a one month old baby. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a very good disciple. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen him making a lot of sins. So far I've been very impressed with his piety and his serenity and deep meditations. Yes. (laughs) Uh, so we are, we are discipling someone there. And that is really key is the one like God gave you your family. And specifically your children, I think we lead our wife. But I, I think on that a lot of times we're more equally yoked with their head in the Lord. But I don't really usually think of, I don't think about discipling my wife. No. Uh, but we're, we're more walking with Christ together. But we are definitely discipling. Both of us are definitely discipling our children. So yeah. back to Jesus. Back to Jesus. Jesus didn't have children, uh, not physical ones. He picks 12 And he, you know, he had this group of people. He was around this group of people. People, he's doing some ministry. He's watching and out of this group of people, you know, he, and with prayer, he chooses this group. And we do see other times. There's a few other times in the Bible where he tells somebody, follow me. And they give excuses or they say, let me follow you. And he replies back, you know, foxes have holes, birds Birds have nests, but the son of man doesn't have any place to lay his head. And I think there was some times where he made invitations. If you look in Matthew 19, he made an invitation to that man and people chose not to going back to our topic about being a disciple. They said, I'm not going to follow you there. I'm all the way while you're giving out free bread and fish, but I'm not really ready to drink your blood.
1: One thing that's coming to mind too, as we talk is we put so much and there is a decision. There is, there is a, there is something on us, but we put it. It's not completely on us to become, if you are a disciple, maybe we could say one thing that hasn't changed is, in the passage you read, Jesus called 12. And if we're a disciple today, it's not because we added ourselves to Jesus' roster, it's because he is adding us, he is calling Uh us, Uh which is... And I, I know if you're like me, your mind's already spinning with sovereignty, and you're you might even fall into this. Well, is he calling me or not? Because if he's not calling me, I guess I won't try. Now, don't don't let yourself go into that. But but basically, it's kind of comforting to know that hey, this isn't just about me signing up like a Sam's Club membership. This is about my Creator. This is about my Lord, the one who invented, you know, the stars and, and music. He's actually calling me. You know, choosing me, and that's that's, uh, that's a that's, little empowering.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's not like you're going around with the network marketing, trying to get all your friends to sign up for this network marketing thing.
1: Hey, I've got a good deal for you. Would you like yeah. me to come over to the house? In fact, Jesus was kind of terrible in that sense, in a worldly sense. Yeah.
0: What you are saying <laughs> is, like, come follow me as I follow Christ. I, I would like to invest in you. I'd like to help you grow. And we have Jesus. Uh, we start with that prayer, God, who would you like me to disciple? And in my own life, I figure I have found that virtually every time I have moved towards more intentionality and disciple making, people start coming out of the woodwork, and they don't all they don't all work out. But I start finding people. Oh yeah, maybe that's a yeah. Maybe this guy. Oh yeah, this guy would like this. And some of them are not people I give lifelong discipleship to. Some of them are like an issue I coach them through, or or work them through, or or a time frame of the guys over in East Asia, there were a couple of them that were more long-term and and I was feeding into their life a lot. But then there's one guy I can think of. His was more as like a, a segment of time or a, you know, my buddy Dan Pierce says people grow until they hit like an obstacle. And if somebody doesn't help them over that obstacle, they either stay there forever or they, they retreat. And he was usually talking about young believers, but, for, for this guy, I'm thinking I was that guy who hit up an obstacle and you know, I'd encourage him would look at different stuff. And I won't say anything I taught was this great, but it was just the being there, loving on him,
1: encouraging him. Yeah. It's, you know, Paul said you have a lot of teachers, but not many fathers. And you know, this we live in an information age where everyone, if, if information is all it would take. You don't need someone to disciple you. All you need to do is hop on Google and type in "how to be a disciple," I and this can you. be a one-person. It doesn't have to be a conversation. It can, or if you know, you could post information on the web and say, "Oh, I'm making disciples." Yeah. I put, but no, it's
0: on my Facebook. I disciple like a thousand of my friends. Oh yeah, you know the other thing that I want to throw out too is as just something to meditate on. We always think about or. Maybe when you're praying, keep this in mind too. Most of the time when we think about disciple-making, discipleship, we're thinking about people that believe. But that's not actually what Jesus modeled. Right, of, the, of the 12 guys when he called them, how many of them believed he was the Messiah? Uh, I don't think all of them did. Some of them were saying, hey, we found the one. But you know, in Matthew 16, I believe, Jesus says, or sorry, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, this wasn't revealed to you by man, this was revealed to you by my father. You know, and they they get this point in time and they still, even up to then, they didn't understand he had to be crucified. They didn't they were unbelievers. They didn't understand they were ready for a Messiah, but not one that died for them. Yeah. And when he died, they weren't expecting a resurrection. And you know, like it did they didn't get all this stuff. And so we can begin discipling somebody, someone who is spiritually interested. You know, we can begin discipling someone into the kingdom of God and then continue to disciple them as they grow. Yep. So don't close your eyes to lost people when you're praying saying, God, who would you like me to disciple?
1: I think too, get ready for the idea that if you're if you're saying Jesus, I want to start imparting I want you to live through me and I want to give my life away to others. I want to help others know you better, follow you as I follow you. You know, it may be a very, it may be a a thing where, oh, they look up to you, they, they see you as a leader, and but it may be that you, he brings people into your life that you have something to offer, and they may or may not see you as a leader. I would think if you're doing this long enough that it may come to that. But what I find is God brings very interesting people into my life, and it, it's not a situation where I think, oh yeah, now my ego is fed because this person looks up to me. It's like, well, really, I just have a chance to to do this thing for this person and help them, you know, spiritually. Yeah, and you help them
0: get over get over a hurdle or help them with one avenue.
1: Yeah, and and there's I guess to to fully develop, flush out this concept. Uh, think about who Paul was. You know, we always say. If Especially if you spent much time in uh, the church, you always hear Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timothy. Let's think about who Paul was. He was a man who was on track to be a Jew of Jews, and his chief disciple would eventually be a half-Greek kid that Uh had to be circumcised Uh just so he wouldn't offend people. And I think if we could meet Paul, he would give a big laugh and say, I never would have guessed that I would be helping A kid like this. Uh So get ready. Get ready for God to bring someone into your life that you may not have chosen, uh, that may not have been what you envisioned. Get ready to be surprised with who he brings.
0: Yeah, and when he brings it, you know, you don't stop your prayer then. You keep praying and you keep feeding them and you feed them on the word of God. And there's a lot of stuff there. And we'll flesh out some more of that as we go along. Thank you guys for listening. We're really honored that you spend some time with us. There wraps up another episode of the Deep Water Podcast. You know, normally at this point in time, we ask something from you. We ask you to rate us, to review us, to subscribe to us. I would still take that, but this time I just wanted to say, as you begin praying about who to disciple, we would love to pray with you. And if you want, you can send us an email at prayer at luke5.com. Tell us maybe a little bit about who you're praying about, what you're praying about, and we'd love to join you with that. See you next week.